Section 21 of the Kerner Commission Report. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Marwak. Report of the National Advisory Commission on Civil Disorders. Kerner Commission Report. Chapter 2. Patterns of Disorder. The Aftermath of Disorder. We will all do our best for a peaceful future together. Next time we'll really get the so-and-sos. It won't happen again. Nothing much changed here, one way or the other. We have sought to determine whether any of these expressions accurately characterizes events in the immediate aftermath of the twenty surveyed disorders. We are conducting continuing studies of the post-disorder climate in a number of cities, but we have tried to make a preliminary judgment at this point. To do so, we considered changes in Negro and white organizations, official and civic responses to the social and economic conditions and grievances underlying the disorders, police efforts to increase capacity to control future outbreaks, efforts to repair physical damage. We conclude that the most common reaction was characterized by the last of the quoted expressions, nothing much changed. The status quo of daily life before the disorder was quickly restored. Despite some notable public and private efforts, particularly regarding employment opportunities, little basic change took place in the conditions underlying the disorder. In some cities, disorder recurred within the same summer. In several cities, the principal official response was to train and equip the police and auxiliary law enforcement agencies with more sophisticated weapons. In several cities, Negro communities sought to develop greater unity, to negotiate with the larger community, and to initiate self-help efforts in the ghetto. In several cities, there has been increased distrust between blacks and whites, less interracial communication, and growth of white segregationist or black separatist groups. Often several of these developments occurred simultaneously within a city. Detroit provides a notable example of the complexity of post-disorder events. Shortly after the riot, many efforts to ameliorate the grievances of ghetto residents and to improve interracial communication were announced and begun by public and private organizations. The success of these efforts and their reception by the Negro community were mixed. More recently, militant separatist organizations of both races appear to be growing in influence. Some of the most significant of the post-riot developments were Official and Other Community Actions the New Detroit Committee, NDC, organized under the co-sponsorship of the mayor of Detroit and the governor of Michigan, originally had a membership ranging from top industrialists to leading black militant spokesmen. NDC was envisioned as the central planning body for Detroit's rejuvenation. However, it had an early setback last fall, when the state legislature rejected its proposals for a statewide fair housing ordinance and for more state aid for Detroit schools. In January 1968, NDC's broad interracial base was seriously weakened when black militant members resigned in a dispute over the conditions set for a proposed NDC-supported grant of $100,000 to a black militant organization. To deal with the employment problem, the Ford Motor Company and other major employers in Detroit promised several thousand additional jobs to Detroit's hardcore unemployed. At least 55,000 persons were hired by some 17 firms. Ford, for example, established two employment offices in the ghetto. Reports vary on the results of these programs. 
Steps taken to improve education after the riot include the appointment of Negroes to seven out of 18 supervisory positions in the Detroit school system. Before the summer of 1967, none of these positions was held by a Negro. Michigan Bell Telephone Company announced that it would adopt one of Detroit's public high schools and initiate special programs in it. Detroit School Board failed to obtain increased aid from the state legislature and announced plans to bring a novel suit against the state to force higher per capita aid to ghetto schools. There are signs of increased hostility toward Negroes in the white community. One white extremist organization reportedly proposes that whites arm themselves for the Holocaust it prophesies. A movement to recall the mayor has gained strength since the riot, and its leader is also pressed to have the Fair Housing Ordinance passed by the Detroit Common Council put to a referendum. The police and other law enforcement agencies in Detroit are making extensive plans to cope with any future disorder. The mayor has proposed to the Common Council the purchase of some $2 million worth of police riot equipment, including tanks, armored personnel carriers, and stoner rifles, a weapon which fires a particularly destructive type of bullet. Negro Community Action a broadly-based Negro organization, the Citywide Citizens Action Committee, CCAC, was formed after the riot by a leading local militant and originally included both militant and moderate members. It stresses self-determination for the black community. For example, it is developing plans for Negro-owned cooperatives and reportedly has demanded Negro participation in planning new construction in the ghetto. CCAC has lost some of its moderate members because it has taken increasingly militant positions, and a rival more moderate Negro organization, the Detroit Council of Organizations, has been formed. Post-Riot Incidents and Prospects for the Future There appears to be a growing division between the black and white communities as well as within the black community itself. Some pawn shops and gun stores have been robbed of firearms, and gun sales reportedly have tripled since the riot. In late 1967, a rent strike took place, some firebombings were reported, and a new junior high school was seriously damaged by its predominantly Negro student body. Many Negroes interviewed rejected the theory that the 1967 riot immunized Detroit against further disorders. Some believed that a new disturbance may well be highly organized, and therefore much more serious. Changes in Negro and White Organizations in half the cities surveyed, new organizations concerned with race relations were established or old ones revitalized. No clear trend is apparent. In a few cities, the only apparent changes have been the increased influence of Negro militant separatist or white segregationist groups. In a few cities, the organizations identified tended to follow more moderate and integrationist policies. A youthful Negro who emerged as a leader during the riot in Plainfield started a new organization which, though militant, is cooperating with and influencing the established more moderate Negro leadership in the city. And in a few cities, organizations of white segregationists, Negro militants, and moderate integrationists all emerged following the disturbances. In Newark, as in Detroit, both black and white extremist organizations have been active, as well as a prominent integrationist post-riot organization, the Committee of Concern. The committee was formed immediately after the riot and includes leading white businessmen, educators, and Negro leaders. At the same time, leading black militants reportedly gained support among Negro moderates, and a white extremist group achieved prominence, but not success, in attempting to persuade the city council to authorize the purchase of police dogs. 
Official and Civic Response Actions to ameliorate Negro grievances in the 20 cities surveyed were limited and sporadic. With few exceptions, these actions cannot be said to have had contributed significantly to reducing the level of tension. Police Community Relations In eight of the cities surveyed, municipal administrations took some action to strengthen police community relations. In Atlanta, immediately after the riot, residents of the disturbance area requested that all regular police patrols be withdrawn because of hostility caused during the riot when a resident was killed, allegedly by policemen. The request was granted, and for a time, the only officers in the area were police community relations personnel. In Cincinnati, however, a proposal to increase the size of the police community relations unit and to station the new officers in precinct stations has received little support. Employment. Public and private organizations, often including business and industry, made efforts to improve employment opportunities in nine of the cities. In Tucson, a joint effort by public agencies and private industry produced 125 private and 75 city jobs. Since most of the city jobs ended with the summer, several companies sought to provide permanent employment for some of those who had been hired by the city. Housing. In nine cities surveyed, municipal administrations increased their housing programs. In Cambridge, the Community Relations Commission supported the application of a local church to obtain federal funds for low- and moderate-income housing. The Commission also tried to interest local and national builders in constructing additional low-cost housing. The Dayton City Government initiated a program of concentrated housing code enforcement in the ghetto. The Housing Authority also adopted a policy of dispersing public housing sites and, at the request of Negroes, declared a moratorium on any new public housing in the predominantly Negro West Dayton area. But in Newark, municipal and state authorities continued to pursue a medical center project designed to occupy up to 150 acres in the almost all-Negro central ward. The project, bitterly opposed by Negroes before the riot, would have required massive relocation of Negroes and was a source of great tension in the Negro community. However, with the persistent efforts of federal officials, HUD and HEW, an accommodation appears to have been reached on the issue recently, with reduction of the site to approximately 58 acres. Private organizations attempted to improve the quality of ghetto housing in at least three of the cities surveyed. A Catholic charity in New Jersey announced a plan to build or rehabilitate 100 homes in each of five cities, including three of the cities surveyed, Elizabeth, Jersey City, and Newark and to sell the homes to low-income residents. The plan received substantial business backing. Education In five of the cities surveyed, local governments have taken positive steps to alleviate grievances related to education. In Rockford, residents approved a bond referendum to increase teacher salaries, build schools, and meet other educational needs. A portion of this money will be used with matching state and federal funds to construct a vocational and technical center for secondary schools in the Rockford area. In two cities, private companies made substantial contributions to local school systems. The Standard Oil Company of New Jersey donated to the Elizabeth School Board a building valued at $500,000 for an administrative center and additional classrooms. In four of the cities surveyed, grievances concerning education increased. In Cincinnati, recent elections resulted in the seating of two new Board of Education members who belonged to a taxpayers' group which had twice in 1966 successfully opposed a school bond referendum. 
also racial incidents in the cincinnati schools increased dramatically in number and severity during the school year recreation in four cities programs have been initiated to increase recreational facilities in ghetto communities a month and a half after the new brunswick disturbance local businessmen donated five portable swimming pools to the city a boat which the city will use as a recreation center was also donated and towed to the city by private companies negro representation the elections of negro mayors in cleveland which experienced the hugh riot in nineteen sixty six and gary have been widely interpreted as significant gains in negro representation and participation in municipal political structures in five of the six surveyed cities which have had municipal elections since the nineteen sixty seven disturbances however there has been no change in negro representation in city hall or in the municipal governing body in new haven the one city where there was change the result was decreased negro representation on the board of aldermen from five out of thirty-five to three out of thirty changes toward greater negro representation occurred in three other cities in which negroes were selected as president of the city council and as members of a local civil service commission a housing authority and a board of adjustment grievance machinery there was a positive change in governmental grievance channels or procedures in two cities but in one case an effort to continue use of counter-rioters as a communications channel was abandoned federal programs there were at least ten examples in eight cities of federal programs being improved or new federal programs being instituted in two cities disputes have arisen in connection with federally assisted programs municipal services four cities have tried to improve municipal services in disturbance areas in dayton the city began a program of additional garbage collection and alley cleaning in the disturbance area in atlanta on the day after the disturbance ended the city began replacing street lights repaving streets and collecting garbage frequently in the disturbance area however the improved services were reportedly discontinued after a month and a half other programs in one city a consumer education program was begun in none of the twenty cities surveyed were steps taken to improve welfare programs in two of the surveyed cities plans were developed to establish new business in disturbance areas capacity to control future disorders five of the surveyed cities plan to improve police control capability in the event of disorder four cities developed plans for using counter-rioters but in one case the plans were later abandoned in detroit plans were made to improve the administration of justice in the event of future disorders by identifying usable detention facilities and assigning experienced clerks to process arrestees repair of physical damage significant numbers of businesses in the riot areas have reopened in several cities where damage was substantial in detroit none of the businesses totally destroyed in the riot has been rebuilt but many which suffered only minor damage have reopened in newark eighty-three percent of the damaged businesses have reopened according to official estimates in detroit the only city surveyed which suffered substantial damage to residences there has been no significant residential rebuilding in two cities negro organizations insisted on an active role in decisions about rehabilitation of the disturbance area end of section twenty one